Where are we in our journey to achieve true gender equality? What are the cultural challenges and cultural changes that we need to have to fill the gender gaps? These are some of the questions that we will try to answer in today's episode with the help of a very special lady who made women empowerment her life mission and career. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone, I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened? Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D, and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Trial Show. In today's episode, which comes just one day after the annual International Women's Day celebration, we want to take the opportunity to dive into the role, added value and talent that women can bring at home, in the workplace, in communities, and to the world. We want to understand how women can be empowered because taking steps in that direction is a vital part of making sure gender equality is achieved worldwide. We dive into this uh, topic supported by a very special guest, Ritu Sharma, who is joining us from London, UK. Ritu is a, a, woman, a women empowerment ambassador, personal development trainer, professional speaker and educator, and an author. She published the book Rich Man's Poor Daughter, co-author in a global book project called Book of Inspiration for Women by Women, and more recently compiled The New Woman, Stories of Kintsugi Experiences, which is an anthology that features 33 women stories. She's also a coach, and as such, she helps women finding their purpose, leadership qualities, and becoming empowered. As that was not enough, she's also founder and CEO of uh, a non-profit organization, which is called uh, Kayushalaya uh, UK, I hope I pronounced correctly, uh, which is dedicated to empowering women. Hi, Ritu. Welcome to the Forgiven Try Show. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Hi, Rosanna. Thank you so much for having me here. Forgiven Tribe just speaks to me in volumes, just the title of your show. So thank you so much for having me here. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Rito, I have to uh, apologize. Um, I, I will struggle with some of the, of the names, uh, but you tell them uh, how they, they have to be pronounced. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. That's, that's absolutely fine. Uh, it's the same as, you know, any other culture. If I was given very thickly cultural names, it is difficult. They are tongue-twisting. The organization, Rosanna, is called Koshilia UK. It's um, a female name 
uh, in Hindi, which is an Indian language, and it means a skilled woman. Oh. And it happens to be my grandmother's name too. Okay, you already answered one of the questions because I wanted to ask you that. So we all now know this scale woman and I absolutely love that. And you mentioned that it's Indian. And in fact, uh, I mentioned something about, uh, about you uh, and all uh, your accomplishment, which is uh, pretty impressive. Uh, but I understand you were born and grew up in, uh, in India and then you moved to the UK, right? That's absolutely right. I was 28 when I moved to the UK, Rosanna. I was educated, brought up, born in India, had highest um, quality education back home, uh, which is not uniform. If somebody knows Indian education system, it's not uniform. But I was uh, blessed to have resourceful uh, parents and it was paid education. And therefore, you know, when I moved here, uh, fitting into the system, uh, per se was not as difficult as would have been if I did not have the gift of education. So I do come from my descent is Indian, but as you say, you grow. And right now, all work I do, uh, all streams of work that I do, uh, it's all embracing. All women are welcome. That, that's absolutely fantastic. So uh, I'm really curious to know uh, what really uh, brought you uh, to become such a uh, an, an ambassador for women, uh, uh, such a powerful advocate for all women in the world? Wow, that is such a lovely <laughs> question. Thank you so much for asking, Rudan. I'd love to answer You're that. Uh, <laughs> I am curious to answer. So basically, obviously, I had a journey of gender-based discrimination as a little girl. And there was, a, I felt lack of love. I'm not saying necessarily there was lack of love from parents and surroundings, but I felt as if there was. And the reason that uh, made me feel like that was because I came from a very conservative cultural family in, in Punjab, uh, in India. And therefore, uh, I was the second daughter for my parents. So my parents had an eldest daughter who was the most beautiful girl with long flowing hair, beautiful complexion, and just the right sort of demeanor to fit into Asian Indian cultural society. And then came my brother, who was the son of the family, the heir, the, the apple of my grandmother's eye and my mom's eye. And obviously he got lots of attention and love. Then came along I. And by the time I came, it was almost as if, uh, sorry, it was not almost, it was definite that uh, my parents, my mom especially, did not want a third child. And uh, it so happened that while I was growing up, Rosanna, and as much as it hurt at the time, and later for years, thanks to God, I have moved on from there, and I'm able to share it without hurting, that my mom narrated the story of her planning her abortion when she was pregnant with me. And my grandmother did not let her do that because my grandmother felt that it was a boy. So they did not want to let a boy go, but going a girl's going was absolutely fine. Anyhow, so my grandmother did not let the abortion go ahead and therefore I came along and I believe uh, slash feel that my mom could not accept me wholeheartedly. So I did not feel the love and care that you would generically feel from a mother. So I grew up pretty lonely in a house full of people and therefore I turned into a rebel when I found myself and I thought, you know, I had the power to do what I wanted to do. I was a young, talented lady. I was a university topper when I did my master's. So I had a few accolades. I was the best university actress in 1998, uh, and so on and so forth. And from there on, I went into a marriage which ended up being uh, an abusive marriage. Um, I experienced DV 
more to do with uh, emotional abuse, financial abuse. Um, and I was kind of left totally on my own from there on as well. Uh, I moved on and I divorced my uh, ex-husband um, as per when he um, assaulted me physically, deliberately once. Um, and that was it. So I walked away and it was not a nice time, of course. And I realized that because I had decided to move away from my husband, culturally, I became a total outcast. Many of my friends dropped me because I needed help. I was totally, uh, you know, I was crying out for help, if not physically, but my whole being was like, you know, this woman can do with some help. Uh, culturally, I was left alone. Socially, I was left alone. And people did not want to associate with me anymore. Uh, and I realized when I stepped out of my bubble, Rosanna, I realized it was not just me. When I was in my bubble, I used to believe that I was the cursed one. I had some sort of spell over me that, you know, God or universe did not want me to be happy or had done some such really bad stuff in the past lives that I was not meant to taste happiness. And thereon, when I stepped out of the bubble, I realized that it happens to so many of us that we are culturally controlled. We are controlled through our parents. We are controlled through our siblings, husbands. Uh, we are controlled even through our children after. And it's, it's a non-breakable you know, cycle kind of a thing where we are on a hamster wheel and we are going round and round and people are masking the problems rather than saying, no, stop, this needs to change. The elderly people are saying, this is the system. And my question to them is, if you know this is wrong and this is the system, why are you not changing it? So when that understanding, you know, came upon me that it is the system and it's not a very good system, especially for uh, a normal person's emotions or personal development or physical even development or any form of development, I thought, what can I do? What, what little can I contribute to create that change, to make the change happen? And then I just gathered the resources I had, Rosanna, which was lit literally nothing. Um, there was no money on a reserve. There was you know, no support on a side. There was nobody really, nothing. So I started off my own, a single person army, and thanks to God it worked. And then I invested in myself and I went on to qualify myself as a coach. I went on to loads of personal development programs um, and I did a hypnotherapy course. I did lots of different things to become who I am today. And I'm not saying I've become anything yet or I will be becoming anything at all, uh, ever. But I'm on a journey, and when I look back, it makes me feel good that I did not just, you know, compromise and sit down thinking it's the system and how can just the little one me change it. And I'm not claiming that I can change the whole system, but the little I can do, I don't refuse to do that, especially when I've got daughters, Rosanna. I did not want my children to see that this is the system and this is what you put up with. You don't have to. So therefore, the reason... Rito, this is uh, such a, a, an empowering story for, for everybody, uh, really, to listen. It, it's uh, really taking everything that happened uh, in your life and transform it into a powerful uh, tool, you know, to, to fight inequalities. Uh, it's such a powerful uh, story. I really uh, thank you for, for sharing uh, that. So thank you. I'm then led to ask you this other question, based also on, uh, on your experience. Where are we in achieving 
through gender equality because gender equality is sort of engraved now in society. We all talk about it, you know. All uh, yeah. uh, companies yeah. have this statement, we, we have gender equality, we have uh, all sorts of equality, but then in practice, perhaps we are not so equal. Uh, there are still very much differences. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a long, long way to go, to be honest, Rosanna. I don't see it happening in a, you know, maybe a couple of centuries, maybe three, four, maybe. It's going to take a long, long time because, as you say, it's so badly ingrained into our psyche um, that as a society, we don't, we cannot even look at somebody and manage to not see a woman or a man. You know, that's the first identity we give someone, a man or a woman, isn't it? And that's how we are programmed, really. And my question is, when we talk about gender, gender-based equality, it's not just women who, who face. I mean, uh, the other day I was talking to someone and I was narrating your story. You know, the one we, you told me in our initial chat, the experiences you've had in, in your workplace uh, in terms of gender-based inequality. And I was narrating your story. And my question is, why is it that, you know, when a person has leadership qualities, when a person has a skill, when a person is capable of doing a task, why is it then important to talk about the person's gender at all? Why does anyone need to know? So I've, did, I've done a job, right? I've done it to the T. I've made a brilliant result out of it. How does it matter if I'm a woman who's done it or I'm a man who's done it? It's a job well done. And the credit should be given just for that, really. And you know how, how in our psyche we, we have gender-specific gender roles as well? Uh, that a man must be doing that and a woman must be doing that. So a woman must cook in the house and a man must earn the money. And there's so many other things that are labeled and men are supposed to be like this and they can't show their emotion and women are supposed to be the emotional beings and they can't be tough because if they are, they get different labels for that. So I'm saying we have to undo the whole lot and reconstruct it again. And that's going to take a long, long time, Rosanna. But if we do that... What is at the end of uh, that journey? So, uh, what sort of uh, added value? And it's a, a little bit of a provocative question, I, I suppose. The added value that uh, women can actually bring to society. Oh, I'd love to tell. <laughs> Go, lady. <laughs> you know, if if it's a big if, Rosanna, and you'd agree with okay. me, if women were allowed for them to be themselves there is such huge greatness within each one of us. And I'm not just saying within women, within men as well. But we're talking women over here, right? And women are subject to oppression many a times. And if it's not obvious oppression, it's mental oppression and suppression. It's emotional oppression. It's manipulation. It's one thing or the other. Oh, you can't do this. People are going to think this of you. You can't go that far because da-da-da-da. So if we were allowed all of us, all women were allowed to be who they are actually meant to be, the greatness that will come out of the whole thing would be amazing. And how many of us have lost chances of being the great version, the greater version of ourselves because the society did not let us be great, the society did not let, let us express ourselves unconditionally. And, you know, when, when people would label a woman because she's dressed in a certain way or she speaks in a certain way or she's doing a certain kind of a thing or a job and people would perceive her in a certain light, my question to them is that who has given anybody a right to judge anyone, right? 
So if it's the same as, you know, when we're children, we tell them, if it's a girl, you know how, yeah, let's play with kitchen toys, let's play with utensils, dishes and pots and pans. And if it's a boy, let's play with cars and robots and all those tough toys. Who are we to assign those notions to these little people? Who are we to assign anything to anybody? That's a, a absolutely a fantastic point. Do you think that sometimes as women, we have the responsibility to step up and take our role in, in society? I think it's always a responsibility, Rosanna, not sometimes. I think as a person, as a woman, it's always a responsibility because it, I think it, there's a beautiful quote that I uh, um, saw somewhere and I think it's Maya Angelou. And she said, she said, when a woman heals herself, she's not healing herself. She's healing all the generations behind her and all the generations to come after her. So that's, that's how powerful it is. Because if I stand up today and I say what's going on is not how it should be, this needs to change. We've had enough of this. Then I don't know what favor I'm going to, I'm doing to my, you know, uh, my ancestors, but I, I know I'm definitely contributing to a better society for the generations to come. And I really hope and pray that my children are seeing me how I am today and they're learning. One, you never give up no matter how bad life gets. Two, you are equally important as any other human being next to you. So because you're a woman, you're not a sign that oh, you can be the second class citizen now because you're at home. You go out, you work, you bring money home, you know, you're, you're at a good position at, at your work. That's all fine. But when you come home, you're the second class citizen. The man of the house is the man of the house. I don't think so. I absolutely love this. Um, so how can we empower someone? Or oh, let's start with... What does it mean, really, empowering someone? And then let's go into how we can do it. That's, a, that's such a wonderful question, Rosanna, because when we hear of empowerment, people think that women empowerment has still got a negative connotation. People think there's a bunch of ladies um, marching on the roads and shouting slogans, anti-men slogans, which is not the truth, right? Empowerment, if you look it up, dictionary meaning, Oxford dictionary meaning, it simply says, knowing yourself and your rights that's it so you're empowered if you know yourself and if you know your rights and each one of us is empowered naturally sometimes we feel disempowered or sometimes we forget that we are disempowered and that is because of the cultural social peer pressures we have on the outside and if i choose to be a, a powerful woman if i choose to make my decisions and stick by them or if I would choose to do anything, the, the, if you boil it down, the one person that's standing in the way of achieving, if I'm trying to achieve something and I'm not getting to it, is me. So that's empowerment, knowing I can do it, I can get what I want to get, and then working towards it. There are ways and means, techniques, tools you can apply to step up into your power, but you have that power within yourself. Empowerment is nothing to do with anybody on the outside. It's all to do with yourself, who you are as a person, knowing yourself really well, thoroughly, and then working from there. What is it that you stand for? What is it that you really want to feel? What is it that you'd like to achieve in the next 10 years? Where do you see yourself in the next two years, five years, 10 years? What would you like to be known for? How would you like your children to remember you? 
These are very poignant questions which each one of us need to ask ourselves repeatedly because we are growing. We are growing gradually every single day continuously. And I love the quote that goes, constant um, change is the only constant. Mm. And I totally believe in that because we are constantly changing. And for us as human beings, it would be really wrong to become stagnated because there's so much we can learn. And Rosanna, I can, I mean, what I learned from when I spoke to you, that is powerful in itself. I mean, just being at a space where you total, I hope you don't mind me mentioning no, that. No, is that okay no, if I just- Go, go okay. ahead. I already Thank spoken you. about my so own know, story. Lovely, brilliant. So you know how you were telling me that uh, you were at a certain point in, in your work, in your job, where you felt totally burnt out. And obviously there were people around you who were not making it easy for you. They were deliberately on purpose uh, putting problems in your, in your way. And then you decided altogether to step off the uh, track and do something totally different and of such high order. I mean, I totally have got so much respect for that. Just that decision that you decided to make for yourself for your own sake, for, for the person you are, for your own heart and for your own soul, that is worth so much praise, Rosanna. And that shows us that you are a thoroughly empowered woman because you did not want to continue into the rat race. You got off the hamster wheel. You decided, no, I've had enough of this. I want to be, you know, known for something better. And I love the, I, I, I didn't know you at all, but I love the, you know, the, just the title of the podcast that you've chosen. Forgive and thrive. How can we thrive if we're still carrying the burden of the hurt from other people? How can we thrive if we just still continuing with the grudges on our backside? How can we thrive if we've got that, that you know, heaviness in us or within us um, from what we have experienced so far. We've got to forgive and that's one big step. I'm not saying it's easy and you'd agree with me, Rosanna, but what I'm mm -hmm. saying is it's possible. Uh, absolutely, it, it, it's a journey as I, I, I always say and uh, you know, you just need to decide to, uh, to start it and then uh, totally. you know, the, and do the work. But, uh, I think it's absolutely worth it. I love what you just said and what uh, what you shared. Thank you so much for, <laughs> you know, considering uh, my my own uh, little story. But um, I'm sure there are uh, lots of women, and you have met uh, many of them that are really, really powerful in, uh, in the way yes. they move in the world and uh, they empower themselves. But yet. There are lots of uh, sort of stereotypes or perhaps limitations that uh, society still put on, on women. For example, we are told that we have often low self-esteem or low self-confidence that compared with men, we are more emotional or we are highly communal, which means uh, more uh, empathetic or warmer uh, than men and less uh, agentic, so we are less analytic and therefore for example, we are less uh, good to, to have the, the qualities uh, to work in specific areas. Like, for example, STEM is a, is a typical uh, area field where uh, women are absolutely the, the minority. I don't know the, the latest figures, but I think uh, they are uh, around 15%. Are these stereotypes or uh, real limitations that we have to overcome? Stereotypes, now there's a there's wonderful thing that you've said that we are perceived, there's, a, there's this prejudice and there's the stereotyping that we are this and men are that and we are not this and men are not that. And 
low self-esteem as far as I'm concerned, Rosanna, no child is born with low self-esteem. We all have similar attributes, playfulness, confidence about ourselves, love for ourselves and for everybody else when we're little. Where does that low self-esteem creep in from? Right, that's my question to anybody talking about women's low self-esteem. Where has this low self-esteem come from? From the remarks that we hear from the outside, from you know the gender-based inequality that we experience, from us being judged uh, around our body shapes, weight, hair. How do I look is such a big deal with women. Rosanna, it's unbelievable. And young girls, you'll see them bending backwards, banging, bending over the backs, you know, to, to look good. Mm -hmm. All those cosmetics and... And these days, it's gone way far, I'd say, nails and artificial eyelashes and extensions and whatnot, right? So where does this low self-esteem come from? Because the society judges us at a certain scale. And it's a very different scale to how our male counterparts are judged, right? And I'm saying, and I'm saying the same thing. I'm saying we can only normalize, no, sorry, we can only neutralize it if the starting line is, is the same. So if the starting line is the same, where a girl has been given absolutely equal opportunities to shine, to grow, to thrive as a male, and, you know, and she's been given the same compliments and she's been nurtured the same way and she's been looked after and loved and given attention to the same way, I bet you there won't be women with low self-esteem then. You're saying in STEM we have 15, approximately 15% 15 of women only um as people working for stem now i refuse to believe that it's only 15 percent of women who are good enough for those jobs i totally refuse to believe that it's um and i'm not talking from stats and i don't have any experience with stem but i believe any place that has a culture like that it does come down to culture we are empathetic and i'm proud but it's not just women that are empathetic, Rosanna. Men are empathetic as well. And it's just that we are encouraged to be more empathetic and show our emotions while men aren't. And therefore, the, you know, the big, huge gap between that percentage as well. I totally love what you just said, because there are two very powerful concepts there. Uh, the first one is uh, what I love to call uh, programming that all children yeah. get growing up. And that creates the low self-esteem, low self-confidence and so on and so forth. And the other is, yes, I might be perhaps a little bit more emotional than, than other people, but so what? Exactly. How can we leverage those qualities? Because if we use them in the right way, perhaps we can create good out of them right they they are not uh, qualities are qualities they are not good and bad, uh, good or bad yeah. we, exactly. uh, depends on how we use them so how can we convince um whether they are organization or you know working environments or agencies or society in general that these are qualities that are not there to limit us but actually that can be leveraged for uh, the good of everybody this is such a wonderful question, Rosanna. You know, one of my mentors says, he always says this, he goes, there's nothing good or bad in the world. It's the meaning we give it to, you know, give to it. Whether if you say it's good for us, it becomes good for us. If you say it's bad, it becomes bad for us. And he goes, uh, idly, wholeheartedly, if you look at the universe as a whole, there's no such thing as good and bad. 
right? And, and I totally um, agree with this as well. Talking about being emotional and having that one quality, I used to believe personally myself, Rosanna, I was too emotional. I was told repeatedly I'm too emotional. And um, so I was a misfit, right? I was too sensitive, too emotional. I felt too much. I could not see others cry. I felt other people's pain. Maybe I was a bit empathetic as well. At a younger age, I did not know that. But I was labeled, oh, she's, you know, she's too emotional. She's too sensitive. No point talking to her. But it's the same emotional aspect of me and the sensitive aspect of me that has uh, created the purpose that I'm serving today. And it's that care that I have within me for, for everybody and anybody I meet today, uh, which was there already, but it was dormant, I'll say, because I was, I was then trained or conditioned to hide it because I did not want to, people to perceive me as too emotional and too sensitive and too this and too that. And, and you know, that's what most of us, many of us do. We hide uh, our true personalities because we don't want to be seen as some particular thing, as you say, a certain quality. It's all down to conditioning, the society, the, you know, the social norms, the cultural norms, the, what, what our parents was, want us to look like, what our teachers are trying to teach us. I can only say one thing to the answer, uh, for an answer to your question, and that is try, and it's a big capital T, capital R, capital Y, because I know it's a big deal. Try and accept a person for who they are. Don't label them. Don't judge them. Don't give a perception to anything that is with them, especially with younger people. I'd say, Rosanna, when we bring in our children up, I think it, it becomes so important. It's a parent's job. It's a parent's job through and through to instill that confidence, that self-esteem, that self-love within a child. And yes, teachers play a big role in that as well, because children spend a lot of time at schools uh, with their teachers, with their educators. So I'd say teachers and parents are the main leaders of instilling these correct values within a child, where you don't see a child for what they look like, what skin color they are, what language they're talking, are they fluent in one more than the other, or if they have got some form of disability or learning um, you know, difficulties or behavioral difficulties. Let's not label a young person or a child with anything. Let's just accept them and try and see their perception. And when empathy, again, bringing our empathy is coming up back and again here, Rosanna, and I believe this is a very, um, you know, fertile word, very pregnant word in, in the way that when parents and teachers can, would both be empathetic towards a child, they'll try and understand the child's misbehavior. They'll try and understand the tantrum. What is behind the tantrum? Is it some hidden suppressed emotion that the child is struggling to, to express? And because they don't have the correct words or correct gestures or they don't know the social language, let's say, they express it how they can. So I'm saying when it comes to, uh, you know, totally nullifying the judgment and accepting the qualities for as they are, education system definitely has to play a big part in it. Parenting has got a huge role to play in that as well. This was such a powerful answer, to be honest. Every one of us has really a massive role to play when it comes to smoothing out those uh, those differences. And um, absolutely, uh, actually, when I was preparing this uh, this episode, I found some statistics that I was uh, quite shocked about. And uh, if you don't mind, 
I would like to mention them. Sure, sure. This is according to the UN. In the world, there are still 18 countries where men can legally prevent their wives from working. Legally. Okay, yeah. Oh, wow. 39 countries where sons have greater inheritance rights than daughters. Again, the law says that. 49 countries that don't have any laws in place to protect women from domestic violence. I mean, these are, these are quite shocking to think about. And uh, I always lived in countries where there are already laws uh, to prevent this sort of situation. So it always feels a little bit uh, uncomfortable when you see that uh, in the world there are still countries where... I know, Rosanna, it's, it's, it is very meaningful what you've just said, that, you know, there's still such a big gap. I mean, forget the cultures, what we're doing culturally. The law itself is kind of turning a blind eye to the plight of uh, women and we're in 21st century. I always say, why are we even talking gender-based discrimination? We are in 21st century. We should be talking bigger stuff. We should be talking about innovations. We should be talking about, you know, how we can make the world better, how we can bring the communities together, how we can integrate our learnings and develop some wonderful stuff. Why are we still talking about such a basic thing like gender-based discrimination? This shouldn't be even a part of our conversations now. But you're right in saying what, you, what you're saying, and I just want to bring in here that there are countries who have got laws that are meant to protect women against DV and uh, to protect their inherit inheritance and all. Uh, for example, in India, there are laws, Rosanna, but my big question there is, culturally, we're not empowered enough, or we, we're seen in a really bad light. If a woman stood up for her rights and said she would like the, uh, you know, her rightful inheritance from her father, from her parents, she would not be uh, considered respectable, okay? Um, and it happened to me as well, where my inheritance did not come to me. Uh, I never got a penny off my inheritance, and that was meant to be, but it was never imparted, right? So I never got because I was the daughter. Had I been the son, it would have been a totally different story, right? And it, as hurtful as it is, uh, it is a fact, and it happens. Even in the countries that have got laws, especially South Asian countries. I don't know how well-versed you are culturally, but South Asian countries are well-known for, um, you know, suppression of women. And it's changing, thankfully. I do see there is educated families are bringing the change uh, gradually. And it is, uh, we, we are making a difference, but it's so slow. And there's so many of uh, us, so many women who are still deprived of some very basic rights. So what are the cultural challenges that we are facing and the cultural changes that instead we need to fill that gender gap? So what are the cultural challenges we should, we need to, okay, to fill in, gaps to fill in? Um, just, okay, so, so um, my, my thing is, I mean, I talk in questions, if you've noticed, Rosanna, I've asked, I've asked so many questions. And my thing was, when I was younger, when I was little, I had so many questions and because the adults could not answer them. They used to get frustrated. And not that they did not mean well, they meant well, but that's what they knew. And they wanted to stick to that because it was safe. <laughs> However, the first and foremost, the basic thing is that we ought to not believe that one child is more precious than the other. Why is my daughter less important than my son? Why is it that my son must be fed before my daughter is fed? Why is it that I should look after what makes my son happy, but my daughter should just get on with whatever she gets. She should not get enough choices. At one point, I wanted to join Indian Army. 
I was, I think I was 18, 19. I was very young. Uh, I thought I, w I wanted, as I said, I wanted to change the world. I wanted to do something different. And I wanted to join army. And my dad just laughed at me. Okay, He didn't even give me an answer. Rosanna, can you, can you feel what I'm trying to say? He did not even give me an answer. He did not. He just laughed. And it was a hearty laugh. It wasn't even like he wasn't being sarcastic or anything. He heartily, he laughed. And he goes, go find something better to do. Think of something better. And that was the end of conversation. And that's the sort of things. I mean, at least now, conversations are taking place. And conversations should take place. When a young girl pops up to a parent and says, or an adult who's responsible for them or can help them, and tells you an, tells you an idea which sounds really weird, really different, really out of the box, please listen to it, right? And see what the possibilities can be created out of that, because they can be. And now conversations are happening, which I'm saying the change that I have noticed is happening. Uh, young girls are given opportunities, at least in educated families. And I totally believe, Rosanna, if we are looking to change something, education is the way towards that. There is no other way. We can't fight to get the change. We can't shout slogans and get the change. We can't do anything but educate people, try and show our perspective to them, try and help them see what benefit the world would get from if we were harmonized, if we did not see you know, women as second-class citizens, if we allowed our sisters and daughters to have enough opportunities like our sons and brothers as well. So education, I suppose, is the big thing that can fill the gap in. I found a, a, a quote uh, from Shirley Chrisom, who is uh, uh, the first African-American uh, woman to be elected to the US Congress. And she said, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. And now I admire the determination, but should we be just pragmatic, uh, as she said, and uh, bring your own chair, folding chair, just in case? Or perhaps that chair should have been there in the first place? The chair should have been there, definitely. Why not? Why not? So it's like saying, oh, you don't show respect towards me, but I respect myself to offer a seat to me. But why am I not being respected if I'm an equal, right? In the, in the qualifications you've got and in the skill sets you've got and the task that is assigned to you is the same task that's assigned to me. So unless that task's being delivered, who can make the judgment? Why is anyone making a judgment because it's a woman? That is such a wrong thing to do. There's, there's got to be a chair. I think the whole table needs to be reserved with a bouquet on it and fancy cutlery and lots of lovely dishes and drinks. I absolutely agree with that. I, I, I love, uh, you know, your very direct answer to, to that question. And I totally agree with, Thank you. with that. It's, uh, it's determination, obviously, you know, uh, to bring your own chair. But no, the chair should have been there. It should be, yeah, definitely. Rito, you know, as a woman, I've always been very independent. And uh, I always uh, done a lot of things by my, uh, myself. And I believe that many women are perhaps uh, like that and uh, for their own good, uh, perhaps. Um, and how important is instead to change attitude and instead of trying to do everything on, on your own, trying to 
work out how you can leverage support and find support around. And I'm saying that because I've been looking at the website of your organization and one of the uh, key points is really the women's support uh, is, a, is a priority that is given there. So how important is this uh, networking, this uh, support of women in the whole picture? You know, in doing, being capable of doing everything yourself and being independent is very powerful, Rosanne. And you'd agree with that. You've been an independent woman. So have I. And I think it also comes down to the fact that being a woman, psychologically, we want to prove to ourselves and to everybody else that, hey, I don't need anybody. Just because I'm a woman, I'm not going to rely on anyone. I'm going to do it all by myself. And I was the same for up till a few years ago. I wanted to do everything on my own. I'd never asked for help. I would not accept help if offered uh, because I wanted to prove to myself, hey, I can do everything myself. I'm, I'm strong. I'm, I'm capable and I'm independent, which is great. It's powerful to know that you're capable and you, you're skilled and you're independent. But we are human beings at the end of the day. And we coexist for a reason. And there's a reason we have communities and families. And there's a reason we, we come in groups, you know. So and as, as human beings, we have this inherent need to connect with people as well. Nobody can deny that. No matter how wonderfully strong and independent and capable they are, we still emotionally, we lean on each other. And that's absolutely fine as well. That's being humane. So being independent, being capable, being skilled, it's wonderful. But remember, you can do more and you can go very far if you went together. As one of the quotes says, Rosanna, if you want to go fast, go on your own. And if you want to go far, go with everybody else. So that's exactly the same because it's uh, joint energy. You know, and when you are heading towards the same direction, added energies, you're definitely going to go way further and going to make a bigger, greater impact as well. So I would say definitely as a human being, it's absolutely fine to ask for help. And you should, if you need to, you definitely should. I made that mistake for years. And by the end, I understood by the time I understood that this attitude was not needed. I was totally exhausted. <laughs> but I learned it was difficult to learn as well, because you're so used to your own means and ways of doing things but i think it's really important i totally love that so we need to really start changing the way we Definitely. see ourselves in uh, ourselves in in the world so what do we need to do to become a change or embrace these changes so that we can finally achieve through gender equality one great start is uh, yourself so wherever you are whatever you do at work, at home, when you go pick your kids up, when you go to drop them off at play dates, when you take them to the parks, whatever it is that you're doing, when you're driving around, the change starts from you, with you. So whatever you do, that's the, that's the message you're leaving with anybody who's seen you, watched you, noticed you, spoken to you, you know, whoever's dealt with you, they have noticed, picked that, they've got that message. So I am... Privileged, thanks to God, I'd say uh, I'm in a position where I can speak about this, Rosanna. You're at a privileged speak, um, space where you can talk about this and you can talk about any other thoughts, wonderful things that come to you and you believe in. But we don't always have to be here to create the change. 
every single person is absolutely important no matter what their job is no matter where they are what they're doing however little they think they're making that change even the slightest change is big for somebody else you might have done a little thing but it might have been the only thing anybody has ever done for them so i think i totally believe that change starts from you start doing whatever you can do within your might to create that change be the change be the change uh, be the change uh, uh, so they allow that um so we mentioned this uh, organization that you are ceo and you funded kill women can we talk about that sure thank you thank you rosana for giving me a chance to talk about the organization so the organization is called kushalya uk it's a not for profit organization and it's dedicated to empowering and uplifting women So we came up with an idea of taking a holistic approach to empowerment rather than just do one bit. So we have got four streams of work that we do. So the first one is personal and professional development. The second is health and well-being. Third is entrepreneurship and financial development and fourth one is social events. So we run projects under one or the other of these streams and we bring women together we give them platforms to show themselves off to you know express themselves to learn from each other we invite speakers experts you know consultants whoever we can to to come and speak to our uh, you know our groups and it's so far it's gone really really well and we've developed totally organically and we are launching uh, our first anthology under the umbrella of Kushalya UK and it's called the new woman and i have oh you can see but i've we just on this so that's the book and it's called the new woman and uh, it's it's a big project we've got covered five continents 33 ladies of all sorts of backgrounds from across the world and the idea again is to amplify the voices of women uh, to give women a platform to speak about what they feel about certain things so in the book we have issues discussed around mental health domestic violence critical illnesses uh gender based discrimination of course and lots of other things that you know hidden disabilities as well so women have managed to speak up from their experiences and and it's absolutely fantastic all of us are i believe are developing every single day we're all doing what we can do for now and we want to do more and there's nothing wrong in feeling like that ladies we are meant to do more we are supposed to do more so we're supposed to believe that we are capable of doing more So keep going and Kushale UK is just one of the platforms Rosanna to help them keep going to give them tools and whatever we can uh, support to to help them develop that's Kushale UK Do you also collaborate with other similar organizations in the UK or in the rest of the world for that matter We are open to collaborations yes currently we are working we are working we're in uh, talks with an African women empowerment similar sort of organization which has got similar aims and objectives and we want to run a project with young girls four young girls in in Africa and uh, we're in talks with the lady who represents that organization so god willing i have got quite a few connections new connections i've made with organizations in india and we want to reach uh, grassroots people who can do with that kind of help where you know they're not heard and listened to so definitely yeah we're open to collaborating with organizations so definitely definitely we're open to collaboration and if someone is uh, interested in uh, being part or contributing to that organization what can they do they can totally get in touch with me through my linkedin profile which is just rita sharma women empowerment ambassador 
or we have um, I've got a website as well which is ritusharma.co.uk please don't go to .com that's a different lady <laughs> <laughs> because that happened once Rosanna somebody was emailing me and they went to that uh, that email address and it was totally a different person it's .co.uk ritusharma.co.uk I'm on LinkedIn I'm on Facebook and um, you can by all means go to Kushilya UK's website as well it's uh, kushilyauk.com and for email it's info at kushilyauk.com so if you just look it up i'm sure you can find me so feel free to get in touch and let's see what we can do together and just to mention we will put all these links in uh, the description of today's episode so you just need to go and uh, and click and you will find rito on the on the other side thank you so much so for sharing that so you mentioned this uh, this book the new woman so who is the new woman ah oh, so thank you rosana this nobody's asked me this question ever before so it's beautiful that you have <laughs> the new woman knows herself the new woman loves herself the new woman feels empowered and equipped the new woman is a skilled woman who is independent the new woman is all about authenticity and integrity the new woman is honest and knows herself honestly that is new woman rosana thanks so much. oh i love it uh, i i should have written down <laughs> i absolutely this uh, love this uh, this definition so in this anthology if i remember correctly there are 33 different stories that that's right featured can you mention some of the uh, of the stories oh. some some of the experience not obviously the detail yeah definitely we have a story we have quite a few stories we've got a story of a lady who was groomed Uh, from a very young age uh, by a man and her her breakthrough was obviously it was painful but it was very scary at the same time as well because at at that point she was being blackmailed as well and the same lady went through so many physical ailments critical illnesses as a result of manifestation of her stress and she was only in her 20s so the illnesses she was experiencing rosana were that of somebody who would be 60 or 70 and plus in age So we've got a st- story of that wonderful woman in in the book. We've got a story of a woman who was uh, who lit herself as a result of her DV situation and her ex-husband was kicking her and pouring water on her at the same time. Such painful stories of, you know, a cancer survivor who had young children and she did not know how to break that uh, news to to her uh, young children. stories of heartbreak stories of a young lady who could not identify herself with anyone because she was a black woman and she was adopted by white parents when she was only a baby of few months so she craved and yearned for her community where she could identify herself with the adults but she she grew in total loneliness although she admits that her adoptive parents were very loving and very caring and they still are bless them we have a story of of two ladies who are in their 60s rosana and their pain comes from their parents and they were windrush generation and they come from places where it was not very happy and peaceful and they did not know how to conduct themselves and they did not know how to show their love towards their children because they possibly did not know love themselves in that age So such a mix of stories we've got stories of mental illness where a lady had episodes of mental illness and she was labeled of course she was a young lady with very young children and her own family would refuse to see it as an illness they would just say things to her as if you know culturally you would say oh you're too spoiled or you've got too much time on your hand and etc and she she worked through that 
and her thing now is to spread awareness around mental mental health issues and also awareness around that mental health issues happen but they don't have to stay with you forever and there are stories of loss and grief and you know abuse but there are stories of hope rosanna all these stories uh, come with an element of empowerment inspiration and transformation where these women have had adversities they've had huge challenges but they've come out really bright and shiny and powerful and empowered on the other end and that is the beauty of the book the new woman that's why we call it the new woman it's a remarkable project i truly believe in uh, in the power of positive stories uh, yes you may have lots of ad- adversities and challenges uh, in your life but if you come on the other side then uh, it empowers you and if you find the, the energy to talk about it then you can empower everyone that is listening so absolutely uh, i admire uh, you and all the ladies who contributed to this uh, this book thank you. you know i read all of them before they even were sent to the publisher and each story that i read rosana it felt as if oh it, it was you know a string was pulled and it was yes it was hurt and upset but there was so much pride as well you know when you feel like oh my god you know well done you you had so much to deal with but you chose to become this rather than you know stay fallen and become negative or dark one of the ladies now she's a healer she's a professional I'm, i'm saying professional but she's a healer now she helps people with spiritual healing and she's been through a really bad you know um adverse journey herself one of the other ladies she was so pre- she, she was so kind of uh, labeled and there was so much prejudice when she was growing up she could not find herself she was so lost emotionally and there's so many my stories around homelessness I shared a story in the book as well and my I talk about the times when I was homeless and how I felt homeless even when I was at home with my blood family but I could not relate to them so that homelessness continued until I found my home which is now which is this which is me and i found myself love and therefore i found my home each story is a help and i'll tell you why rosana you know when somebody goes through uh, adversity trauma grief like i did like many of us do we kind of become so clung on to our pain that that pain could very wrongly become a part of our identity and that i've been through that pain myself i've been through that phase myself where my identity was the struggles that i had right so my identity was the pain that i had um, you know carried and what i have learned from reading all these stories is that each one of us is assigned a certain type of pain and that is a blessing in disguise because unless rosana let's be honest unless you had not faced the adversity that you have and i had not faced the adversity that i had we would not be doing what we are doing now and we would not be feeling what we are feeling now and we would not be so clear on how life should be like we are on now so it is definitely it's difficult to say to someone when they're going through it because they are so engrossed in their own pain and fair enough we are human beings it's okay to feel like that as well but what i have learned from you know coming across all these and many more stories is you know it's human it's a part of human growth cycle we would not grow to our full potential if we did not have the pain that kicked our backside to be honest right so yeah it has definitely helped and i'm i can guarantee if any of your listeners got a copy of it and read it they'd agree with me 100% that it is a very helpful and useful book because people have not just wrote about 
the the bad part of their story but also how they changed it and what they are now and i believe stories are such an impactful and powerful tool for for us to listen to and then see that hey and that's how human mind works really she has done it possibly i can do it as well exactly. so it's an amazon guys get it <laughs> exactly this was exactly uh you know where i i wanted to go because yeah. sometimes you have these stories that are uh, so tragic uh, in the way they start and perhaps we don't resonate with them in in because we don't we are not going through the same sort of situation but if we are careful and we uh, learn from what they went through perhaps we can discover some elements of the pain in a different situation that we are experiencing so absolutely Rito, we talk uh, we talked about women empowering women is there a role for for men in that question definitely oh that's yeah definitely that's such a good question rosana yen uh, you you're really good at asking questions i've realized <laughs> your questions are yeah Thank you. definitely men have a very important role to play when it comes to women empowerment because women do not exist in a separate world to men right let's the earlier we accept this the, the better it would be for us right we're all meant to coexist in harmony in this world and the problem happens when we refuse to give other person the rightful space let's say right so men definitely have to play a role if men have not liked what and how their mom have been treated they need to start treating their wives better if they have not liked how their sister did not get fair chances they ought to get get up and give their daughters absolutely fair chances you know and accept their sisters and their mothers with all the problems they have and you know all the negativity they come with because they've been suppressed and that gives you know a very negative mental attitude change can always happen we don't know when and how but we've got to keep striving i totally um totally believe in that that we've got to keep trying we've got to keep believing it's possible we've got to keep making the effort and men definitely are a big part of the equation rosana and therefore we also run a project now called men are from mars where uh, you know under kushila uk's umbrella where men are invited to talk and they can share their perspective and it's amazing to listen to their stories as well because they're not very different to women experiences really i love that because sometimes we have this perception of men that are very strong but there are lots of men with uh, sort of female traits a sensitivity and uh, that has nothing to do with sexual disposition yeah, yeah. Uh, but they are very much open to listen to to women and uh, to understand their point of view and uh, i i've met a lot of uh, men that really encourage uh, their own daughters to go out to the world in the same way they encourage uh, their their sons um so i i think uh, this is a fantastic advice that you uh, implicitly gave to all the adults uh, with children around to empower themselves rido if you had your younger self in front of you what would you advise her oh <laughs> my younger self poor thing was very deprived for a very long time um i would advise my younger self to continue to believe in herself and to love herself i would definitely would advise her to love herself 
embrace herself, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever she comes with, accept herself fully and work on the positive, the good stuff. And yeah, so that's that's what my advice to anybody is. Hold on to that self-love. You know that belief you have that you're good? Hold on to that. It will shine one day. Does not matter if people can't see it right now. Does not matter how you're perceived because you're different and you ask a lot of questions, which is very annoying. <laughs> but but hold on to that. Hold on to that belief that you're also. Hold on to that. Hold on to the love in your heart. And hold on to the empathy you feel for everybody else. And hold on to your emotional aspects. Hold on to your sensitivity. It's all good. There's nothing wrong in being emotional, sensitive, empathetic. It's all good. And keep asking questions. It's beautiful. And I'd advise anybody the same thing. Um, it's a fantastic advice again. Um, Rito, we, we talked at the beginning about, you know, forgive and thrive. And uh, you gave me your, you know, your, your approval or, um, <laughs> <laughs> about the name, which is, which is fantastic. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, is there anything that women in general needs to, uh, need to forgive themselves for? In general, I think it's again when we see ourselves from the outside eye, Rosanna, we label ourselves and we tell ourselves we're not good enough uh, and therefore we're not lovable enough and we're not accepted enough. And it's all something to do with me. You know, something's wrong with me that I'm not accepted and loved as well as my sister is or as well as my son, uh, my brother is. Try not to see yourself from the outside eye. Forgive yourself if you've made decisions in the past or felt negative about something or, or you've done stuff that you're not very proud of. But if you know that now, I think that's a huge progress in itself. Forgive yourself for anything that tries to pull you down and is within you. Forgive anybody on the outside who's trying to pull you down because they don't know any better. You know better, right? So if you know better, if you know you're capable of doing something other people are doubting, forgive them. And forgiveness in my life, Rosanna, has been one of the biggest achievements, if anything. And I say that because um, I did not have uh, any form of relationship or bonding with my mother. And as a young child and as a young adult, and even as an older adult, it used to hurt. It used to hurt so bad that it could physically kill me. I could physically feel the pain. It was really, really bad. It was really painful. And I think for the first 40-odd years, four decades of my life, I lived like that, feeling sorry for myself, feeling worthless. You know, I used to ask myself a question. If your mom can't love you, are you even worth any form of love? And that, of course, went on to, you know, have impact on my self-esteem, you know, my self-image, how I perceived myself how I approached others, how I spoke to others, because there was no love on the inside, I could not reflect much of that. I had my barriers. I would not allow people to be too close. And then I went on to understand that this journey is my journey and what my mom's journey was her personal journey. And she was there for a reason, because for the sort of mother I am today, I cannot thank enough my mom for that, for the lessons I learned from being with her, you know, and I'm ever so thankful that she was my mother and that we, I experienced, I got to experience the pain that I did with her. She was not abusive of anything. She was only very dismissive of me, if I put it in one word. She was very dismissive. 
She never could accept me. We never had a conversation, a meaningful conversation, ever. I lived with her for 24 years of my life, first 24 years. I look back and I don't remember one conversation I had with her. Um, and then when that came home, that was very hurtful as well, first initially. But then I had to work on forgiveness. I had to forgive her for being like that. She, I believe she did not mean to be like this. Now I believe she did not mean to be like this. She just, just did not know any better. She thought she was okay. She must have. There was, there was no way she would be doing it on purpose. She must have thought it's okay to be like this. And therefore I had to forgive her. I had to forgive all the other people who were who had wronged me at the most wrong times. But that saved me and that's helped me grow. So it's forgive and thrive. It's definitely forgive and thrive for me. That is so perfect, absolutely so perfect, uh, you know, for this uh, little box that we are, we are bu building yeah. around uh, uh, these two uh, verbs of uh, forgiving, of letting go, and at the same yeah. time, with that, uh, start your own life thriving uh, and not just surviving. So I, I really appreciate that. So, Rito, do you have anything planned? The, is there another book, perhaps? Uh, oh, yes, there is. There are two more. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> there are two more. So the next one is uh, The New Woman, Business Stories of Kinsey Experiences. So we are bringing in ladies who have businesses now and they have either found themselves through their business or they have found some really spiritual or personal development through their business or they have had some form of transformation through the work that they do. And I'm sure there are lots of stories. I could be one of those, to be honest, Rosanna. My work, my purpose gives me life and it gives me immense happiness to be doing what I do. And I know there must be so many other women who want to share they, these journeys to inspire others, to, to help others get back up and do it. And that is the idea. So we've got definitely the next one is business stories of Kinsey experiences. And then there will be a third one. So we're planning on a trilogy. Um, and then after the three, we'll, three, we'll see where, where we want to go with it. But for now, definitely two more books are coming out. And I'm also in process of writing my second book, Rich Man's Rich Daughter, because I perceived for the first 40 odd years, Rosanna, that I was Rich Man's poor daughter, given my experiences. But now things have moved. Thanks to God, it's changing. The narrative's different. I want to put out there that I am a rich man, rich daughter. So I'm working on that as well. That is uh, really something I, I look forward to, to read. It's going to be interesting to see the difference between the, the first and, uh, and the second. Yes. That would be absolutely Rito, I'm a, a little bit aware of the time, but I want to ask you one final question. And that would be, if you had one take-home message from today uh, that you would love absolutely every single listener to uh, take home, what that would be? That would be to accept yourself fully. Don't fight yourself. Do not fight yourself. Let Allow yourself to feel what you feel. Allow yourself to be who you are. Allow yourself to, you know, express how you want to express. Allow yourself, just allow yourself to be, accept yourself, love yourself for who you are. And I always say to any children that I would want to say to Rosanna, you do what you want to do. There's no such thing as you have to. You know, with peer pressure, kids would say, oh, but I have to. I would say you don't have to, you choose to. So if you're choosing to stay where you are, you're choosing, it's a, it's a conscious choice. You don't have to, you're not a tree, move. 
okay? I'd say to anybody who's listening that two things. One, don't harm yourself. Two, don't harm anybody else. Apart from that, what you want to do, however you want to be, be. Accept yourself fully, please. That's absolutely beautiful. Well, I hope that this episode has provided food for thoughts on how important empowering women is as a step towards gender equality, which everybody will benefit from. This is a concept that we need to convey and make sure that the next generation after us truly makes their own. For this reason, instead of the usual quote today, I want to leave you with a short extract from the concession speech that Hillary Clinton gave after the results of the 2016 US general election. And she said, talking to little uh, girls, to all the little girls who are watching, never doubt that you are valuable and powerful and deserving of every chance and opportunity in the world to pursue and achieve your own dreams. Thank you very much for accepting our invitation and uh, for sharing your life story, your expertise, your knowledge, and all the work you are doing to empower skilled women. Thank you so much. Thank you to you, Rosanna. Thank you. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself being with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, the pleasure was all ours. We would love to know what you think about this topic of uh, women empowerment and uh, gender equality. Uh, get in touch and also don't forget to uh, check Rito's uh, website and uh, to follow her on social media. We will uh, put all the details in uh, today's uh, description. Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive.com at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.